Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. So how have you been? Oh, I'm okay. I finished papers, which is nice. And yeah. Uh, yeah and so you're done for the semester then? I am. Look at I you. Am. What an overachiever yeah. you are. I know it's crazy. <laughs> now I just wait. I just wait for my grades. I got uh my end of year. I have an end of year review, um, which is like really informal. It's just it's just so the fix uh, is in, is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But it's basically like I, I, my advisor and professors that I invite are like, so what you doing? And then I tell them what I'm doing and then they go, cool, I guess, you know, like, like, that's great. Yeah. Are you planning on finding a job someday? And I'm like, well, I hope so. Um, planning on taking yours when you die, man, wouldn't that be nice? I, there's a couple of people who are retiring and I'm like trying to time it all right. Like, yeah. like, why don't you hire me? You know? Yeah, there you go. Pay me a little less money. You have to pay me the same amount. <laughs> I just need enough to live. But uh, so when, that. now that now that you're all finished with UVA, when do you start your your pastor training? <laughs> well, <laughs> I uh, tomorrow I I'm meeting the pastor I'm replacing, Pastor Penny. Um, we're and we're gonna tour the churches and do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, today I had a district committee of ordained ministry meeting, the DCOM with, uh, at Sesqu for Susquehanna. So the home, the home, uh, conference, and they asked me a couple of questions and they were like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, thank you for asking. And so I explained <laughs> to them what I'm doing and, uh, which was nice. Jolene, Jolene was like, yeah, let's have this meeting so that we can put it in the books and we can send the meeting minutes to the district superintendent in Charlottesville. And, you know, maybe we can get you really nice and ironed out for that. I'm like, sounds great. And they were like, are you planning on coming back? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's I need a job, right? Like <laughs> better say what? yes. If you want them to, <laughs> yeah. you want them to grease the wheels for you. You better say I know. yes. I know. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'd love a job. There's a there's a great appointment. I tried to like get them to like think think about this. I don't think it works. They're they're nice people, but they're not always they're not always as subtle as I would like them to be. You know, like right. I'd like them to really think and listen to me a little closer. But I tried to to get them to remember that one of the ordained elder appointments in our conference is the director of the Center of Spirituality and Social Justice at Dickinson College in Carlisle. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm like, appoint me there, you know, <laughs> I will have a PhD, appoint me there, you know, because Dickinson College is a United Methodist affiliated school. And right. that's like, an, that's like an appointment. So it's basically like the head of religious life on campus. And, and your folks are pretty close to Carlisle in, in terms of travel, aren't they? Yeah, it's not that far. We're on the other. Yeah. If, if Clearfield is on this side of Carlisle, we're yeah. on the other side, so. And so I, I would, I would not hate that. I'm like, I'm like, appoint me there. And then we're all set. And then yeah. it's like, I can hang out. It'll be, I'll teach a class. Like, it'd be great, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I hope yeah. it works out for you. I hope your uh, new church doesn't come after you with torches and pitchforks. 
Uh, they might. We'll see what happens. Well, it'll I make an interesting to. podcast if they do. It, it would. It would. It would. It would be an interesting uh, uh, couple of things, you know, on this podcast and on the other one, <laughs> as we chat about, you know, all of those dynamics. Yeah. But uh, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be okay, and it's it's not going to be too big of a deal. So they're so. still not going to make you get certified so that you can give out like bread. Not at this point. They they <laughs> might they might agree to it uh, if I'm sticking around next year. So like if they yeah. reappoint me for next year, they might they might say, Yeah, let's get you all licensed for real. And then I'll be like, Cool. I I, I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna go. I So they they'll wait a year for you to to do the job and then they'll say, Oh, you need to get accredited or you need to get licensed. Yeah. That seems a little backwards. That. It does seem a little backwards. The whole thing is all backwards, isn't it? Like I've already done this for three years and so right. Now, this is this is pure paperwork. Do they have like special Virginia bread that's different than like <laughs> Pennsylvania bread? Like what, what what's I the difference? Know. I don't know. I think it's just a difference in emphasis. So like I think that in Susquehanna, you know, you can get licensed with just an MDiv and you don't have to do the licensing school. And I think that's that exists primarily to help um streamline folks who are getting mdivs into you know positions really easily and so like if i've got an mdiv but maybe i'm not um fully certified to be ordained yet i can still graduate and jump in and serve in in a pastoral capacity without needing that other piece and i think in virginia the emphasis is a little different where where i think that they envision licensed local pastors as being second career or, or folks who are just not interested in ordained ministry. And so they just don't have that rule. It's just for them. It's like, well, a licensed local pastor just goes to licensing school and then that's it. You know, if you're going to get a, a, an MDiv, then we let's ordain you. Like, let's not, right. let's not give and give you the option of getting that MDiv and then doing licensing which is i guess it's fine like it makes sense but but then it it kind of limits them you know when when they're the ones who are, need help uh, is, is yeah and, and they're the ones that have added the restrictions to people that clearly don't need those restrictions right. like i can understand if i was a member of the laity and i decided that you know i saw mary in my toast one morning and wanted to be a preacher that i would have to go to licensed local pastor classes to get my right. licensure but like if you if you went to seminary for how many years and spent how much money and graduated with honors uh, I, did. I did by the way listeners i, I know you did because you're a nerd i am a nerd <laughs> i am a nerd you're not wrong but, but i mean that's surely more intensive than any licensed local pastor in podunk virginia would have yeah yeah I, I'm holding out some hope that that they might do some some fudging work and just are like, well, let's try to get you licensed and before you start and then and then that'll be that'll be okay. They just might not to, though. Ask them to let you test out, you know, <laughs> just like yeah, show right. up and be like, what, what about an interim license? <laughs> yeah. How about how about I just come down and perform like a, a a few rituals for you and show you how it's done. And then uh, you just sign my paper. How about that? Yeah, whatever. Right. And, and like, and I don't want to, you know, 
so I'm I'm not inclined to to push and prod too much. I will stick by my my thing that if they make me do licensing school, I'm going to resist them. And, and yeah. until I have like a meeting of where I'm like, I'm like, I'm only going to do this if like. Like kicking and screaming. I'll, I'll do it <laughs> kicking and screaming, but I'm only going to do this if like you appoint me as like a part time associate in Charlottesville where I'm, you know, doing some other things like. Right. Like I'm not going to go to licensing school for for a town of, of, of people who are not terribly interested in me anyway. Um, well, not yet. Yeah. They're not. But well, let's give, let's see what happens. I mean, they've gone through ten people in five years, so yeah, they might they might maybe, love me. Like I said, you'll be the rock that, in which all the water breaks around. I hope so. <laughs> I hope I show up, and I hope uh, I hope I watch faces fall. Like I hope people are like, "Oh, this kid's. We're not going to be able to bully this kid, are we?" And I'll, yeah. and I'll be like, "No, you can't. You can't hurt me, actually." So like, Just we'll see how it goes. Show up on day one and be like, "Okay, do you guys have a pageant?" <laughs> right, right. Because that's got to be about a badge. <laughs> but uh, crazy. But right now, it's what I'm doing. I got. I start my German class next week. Uh huh. Which will so be no good. rest, and, no rest for the wicked. No, not not a ton. The German class is is not is not so bad though. I mean, it's every day, but it's only like two hours a day. And, yeah. And and it's there's no like there's no like assignments. It's just German for a month, and then there's a test. And if I pass the test and i i pass like my language comp for german now is that something that you would you i mean obviously you're fluent or literate in german in a month that seems like it'd yeah. be a little bit yeah it's not i mean you're smart so. dude but you're not that smart no i agree <laughs> i agree it, the the class the class is, is specifically called german for reading knowledge and so and so it's limited in that i'm not learning how to speak german Right. I'm, I'm not like learning conversational German. I, I'm, I'm ultimately learning scholarly reading German. And so I'm learning I'm learning German in a, in a way that allows me to like, like, let's say I, I let's say I want to write about X person and um, X person. Uh, uh, there's a really great article written by a German scholar on X person. German for reading knowledge and passing this language comp would allow me to not really be daunted by that. Like I could, I could maybe pick up that article and I could work through the article. Right. So that I could, I can kind of know what's going that on. That sounds dreadfully boring. Yeah. Not yeah. only are you learning another language, but you're learning another language written in scholarly form which is, I mean, you people are some of the driest human beings on the planet. You're not wrong. <laughs> that sounds you're not wrong. Terribly boring. So, have you not heard of Google Translate? I have. It's this and, really cool program. You just type in whatever you need to type it in, and, and then it, it just, translates it from whatever to 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 the language that you're fluent in, and then and everything works great. It's called technology. You guys should look into it. I, I will tell the PhD folks, you know, that make these rules like that that exists. But but I'm, I'm willing to do this, uh, particularly because it's there. I got some funding for the class because it's summer class. And so my funding package doesn't quite cover summer classes. So I got a little extra funding for this class and I'll be done in a month. And I'm like, great, yeah. great. You know what? I can do that. That's how I did Greek. Right. 
I, I did Greek in, in, I got six credits of Greek in, in, you know, five days a week for three hours for six weeks. And I was just all Greek all the time. And I just like had Greek and I just did Greek and I did it and it's over. <laughs> you know? And I, they signed the paperwork and it's done. My advisor was like, you took Greek, right? I was like, I did. And then my advisor was like, cool. Here's a form that says you, you're certified in Greek. And I'm like, hallelujah. Hopefully nobody asks. Yeah. No, no I was just going to say, I took a couple of years of German in high school only because mm -hmm. there was a lucrative chance to travel to Germany on a field trip and be able to drink beer. But I was so bad at it. And I was such a jerk in the class that I ended up getting thrown out of the German club. And I never did anything in the class except for screw around because all I really wanted to do was drink beer. And uh, then I wasn't allowed to go to Germany. So I was like, well, piss on it. I'm not doing anything in the class. And the teacher and I hated each other. And then she said, you know, you have like a 42% in this class. You're, you're never going to pass it. And I told her, well, if I fail it, I'm taking it again next year. And then I got a 70. So that was my experience with, with German. <laughs> That's my well, extent of my German knowledge. I'm impressed. I don't think it's going to go that way for me. Yeah. I think what's more likely is if I do that, they'll just be like, good luck on your future endeavors. <laughs> you <laughs> right. Goodbye. But So like what, Matt, what's going on in Pennsylvania right now? Anything fun? <laughs> well, are you talking about me specifically or are you talking about the state in general? How about how about both? OK, um, yesterday was uh, Election Day in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. There are over 10 million registered voters in the state of Pennsylvania and just under two million of them participated in yesterday's festivities um on the ballot were four resolutions um affecting how the state constitution operates now two of the resolutions were pretty straightforward one of them was to grant additional money to volunteer fire departments and emergency medical response things it was an authorization essentially for the legislature to add into the constitution that you know emergency medical and fire was to be funded as a priority true right fine the other one was pretty much a a well it, i don't know how much real impact it would have but it basically was a civil rights amendment that just codified the fact that you know you can't be fired or otherwise discriminated against on the basis of your your race or your religion or anything like that Pretty simple standard language, mm -hmm. both of which no problem with. I had no problem. Yeah, sure. Fine. Put it in the Constitution. But very manipulatively, the other two were directed at usurping power and control from the governor. Hmm. So the first of the ballot resolutions was uh, the I, I, I'm going to paraphrase here. I don't have them memorized, but basically it was the ability of the legislature to override the ruling of the governor whenever the governor declared an emergency. Okay. okay. So in, in a state of an emergency, um, that would only be in effect for like 21 days and then it would automatically end. Hmm. Unless the legislature allowed it to continue. Right. 
Okay. That was one of them. The other one was um, if the governor declared an emergency and the legislator didn't legislatures didn't like it, then they could overrule him with a simple majority. Now, normally they would require a supermajority, a two-thirds majority to overrule the the um, orders of a governor. Now it's just a simple majority. The way that they were phrased on the ballot made it seem really um, pro-democracy, right? Like, well, we should have a say in what they made it sound like the governor was a tyrant. Right. And the, now bear in mind, in Pennsylvania, the legislature is the people that have the ability to put things on the ballot in the first place, and they have the ability to write the questions. The governor has nothing to do with it. He can't object to it or anything like that because whenever something's put to a vote, it's the legislature that controls it. So it was written by our Republican-controlled legislature in a way that sounded to the layperson like, we are going to have more say as a, as a society. When in reality, what it does is strips the governor of the majority of his power, especially in an emergency. But mm -hmm. these, these, this is a slippery slope. This will be applied for everything that the legislature doesn't like that the governor does from now right. on. And it'll basically be used as a cudgel to overrule anything that the governor does, which effectively makes voting for a governor irrelevant, sure. right? Now, in Pennsylvania, the, the Pennsylvania legislature has been gerrymandered so wickedly. It's one of the worst in any state in the United States. If you look at any agency that looks at such things, they will tell you that Pennsylvania is like among the worst gerrymandered states of all the states in the union. It is very, very difficult for Democrats to win state house seats that aren't already appointed to them. And because every 10 years, whenever the congressional districts are redrawn, they're typically drawn, drawn by the people that are in power at the time, which was Republicans, because it was gerrymandered that way the last time. So effectively, you're always going to have a Republican legislature in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Also, in Pennsylvania, only about 25 percent of the people that are in Pennsylvania are registered Republicans. So like a quarter of the state is controlling the legislature. Right. And they can never win governors because governors are a statewide election. You have to incorporate Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Erie and State College and those those blue bastions, right, with a ton of people right. in them right. that blue are bastions. Yeah, that are that are un unrepresent there's there's 400,000 people represented by uh, a guy in in Philadelphia and one of the representatives up here represents like 5,000 right but they both have equal say in the in the uh, state legislature but anyway um that pretty much guarantees that the republicans will have the ability to tell whatever democrat gets elected into the governorship to to fuck off and die and he'll just have to do it and and i think that uh the the, the thing that really frustrates me about it is that these these votes passed they all all four were adopted into the into the new constitution or as amended into the constitution it was a 54 percent to 46 percent vote mm. which means that it could not could not have been got uh, have been achieved 
without Democrats voting yes for that. Right. Right. It just couldn't have. Now, now first of all, there's 10 million people that are registered to vote in Pennsylvania and only 2 million did. Sure. So that's not terribly surprising. Most people no. don't pay attention to shit anyway. Mm-hmm. And most of those that do pay attention to it are older and been lean conservative. So you would expect more Republicans to be voting in a, in a midterm like this anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, there still wouldn't have been more than 50% of them. Sure. Right? Sure. Like there just wouldn't have been. So people clearly don't know what they're fucking talking about. And they don't understand that this is a power grab and that or they don't care. Mm. You know, and uh, whichever whichever way you slice it, it's disgusting to me. Yeah. So that's what's going on in Pennsylvania. How's things in Virginia? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, the, the typical typical stuff, normal things that are happening elsewhere um, where, where other Republicans are attempting to rule by minority control. Um, we got a, a, a crazy person who's running against our governor. We have a Democratic governor in Virginia. Right. And there's a crazy person who's, who's attempting to win. He, he's not going to win. I, mean, I guess he could, but he's, he, he's almost certainly not going not gonna to beat him. Who's like, you know, a QAnon guy who's yeah. trying to become yeah. governor. I think, but let's talk about Pennsylvania for a second. <laughs> I, um, for one thing, propaganda is real, man. And propaganda oh, yeah. is, is powerful and, and uh, has the ability to confuse and shape anybody, including us. Um, I, I guess what, what always confuses me, maybe it's not that it always confuses me. I, I, I guess, I guess I'm, it's more that I'm, I'm, I'm always a little surprised when I shouldn't be at, pardon me, at the pettiness, right? Yeah. Like pettiness of Republican, mm-hmm. Republican people, Republican politicians who, you know, in the midst of a, of a COVID-19 pandemic emergency uh, are so butthurt over a governor, you know, whether he was right or wrong attempting to do his job well all he did was order people to wear masks right and they lost their shit yeah <laughs> like that's all he did like he or and so have you know many other governors throughout the nation like mm-hmm. that's what that's what prompted these ballot measures was the fact that there was like shut down mandatory shutdowns of schools and government facilities and mask mandates that's what prompted it no, it's ridiculous. And because and then from my perspective, I I mean, I guess I guess when you're an extremist and you see sort of any when you've been trained to kind of understand any kind of of government doing anything, it, it, at least if it's got a, you know, a blue donkey next to its name, right. any kind of government and doing anything is a form of total tyranny. Uh, when you're trained to see it that way, I really shouldn't be that surprised. You know, the governor is telling us to wear masks. Next, he's going to command us to worship Satan and kill our firstborn. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. You know, like like that's, or he's going to take our guns. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, you know why? Because it's not. It's not going to happen. Because he can't. Because um, <laughs> he because he can't, and he also doesn't want to. Because he's right. just a guy. Like he's just a person. Um, I. But I also I just think that that demonstrates a a kind of a, a, a very strange neurosis in right wingers 
but but I think it also once again demonstrates that for many, not all, I'm not here to run your typical Republican into the ground, just the ones with power, um, <laughs> you know, because they can they're they're powerful. What do you, what do they want? I'm punching up. Um, right. You know, it, it it demonstrates that your typical Republican with power thinks this way because they would absolutely do this if they could. You know, like, oh, yeah. like if if they could, they would control the earth and make people do whatever they wanted well they know? demonstrate that time and time again they demonstrated it with you know denying obama his supreme court pick they <laughs> they deny it by like ousting members of their own party whenever they speak when, when they don't toe the party line they, they're throwing fucking liz cheney out for christ's sake like like they they demonstrate this stuff all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're right and I, in a and way that, me, in a way that, the, in the way that the, the left doesn't, it really, I mean, the left, it, the left eats its own too. I mean, they, the, oh, the left yeah. ate Al Franken up, you know. Yeah. But, um, but under different, under different terms, and so, I mean, at least there's there's something there there. Whenever sure. like the Democrats are doing this stuff, sort of stuff. But here's what really offends me about it. Like I said, the vote was fifty four forty six in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It could not have been done with just Republican support couldn't have been right and the 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 nature of the modern republican party casting out those that don't pass their purity tests leaves the the republican party every day more and more extremist right Mm -hmm. because the only people that stay in it are the ones that pass this purity test and everybody else gets tossed out you know the numbers for the republican party have been declining in, in terms of the population as a whole since Reagan, you know, they've been going down as a as a percentage of the whole. Right, the party is is dying, but because we have a two party system in the United States and only a two party system, only voices in the Republican Party get heard, which again are becoming more and more extremist as we go on, and only voices in the Democratic Party are being heard, which itself is also becoming more and more extreme, only to the left. So we we have. The conversation being controlled by a minority on both sides that is continuously getting more and more extreme. And the rest of us stand around in the middle and don't do anything. And we pass ballot measures that only exacerbate that problem. True. True. I mean, I, I, I'm on, I agree with you in a lot of ways. I, 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 for one, I mean, one of the reasons why I would really like to see um, more parties is not so that we have more voices in the fray, but so that because I don't I don't think we need I, don't, I, I actually don't think we need a Republican Party. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of that's kind of the thing that I wish more more folks would admit. But do we really need the party of Trump? No, we do not. We do not yeah. need that. Could could we use a, a classically conservative party that 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 has um, good faith? and different ideas about how to govern uh, than other liberal or more left-wing parties. Hell yeah, of course we could have that, but we just don't have that right now. (laughs) That's not what the Republican party is. But that's, but that's an example of of what I'm talking about with this exodus, right? Like Mm. that's the reason why we have primaries in political parties, right? So we can, we can allow the party to decide which direction it wants to head. Right. The democratic party is by, is, leaps and bounds further ahead in terms of the big tent right i mean you had people as far left as like aoc and 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 
Elizabeth Warren and, you know, that were considered extremists. And then you had the more centrists like Pete Buttigieg and, and Joe Biden, who were like there was a range of mm-hmm. of ideas there. Right. And ultimately, mm-hmm. through the process of primary and argument and engagement, Joe Biden won the primary. Right. Sure. But that didn't mean that people that were going to vote for Elizabeth Warren or people that were going to vote for Bernie Sanders left the party. No. Right. They didn't leave the They didn't take the ball and go home. Right? right. And they still continue to exert their influence on on the Biden administration, continuing to pull it further to the left, not as far left as they would like it to be, you know, sure. perhaps a little more left than I would like it to be at times. But at least there's that that. They stayed in the game, right? They stayed in the game and they and they continue to exert their influence and they continue to express their opinions within the party system. And it bears all of it. It bears all of it. Whereas on the right. If you don't win, you're out like you're gone. There is no healthy debate. There is no, you know, difference of opinion. There is no if you're not towing the exact party line. If you're not acting in the exact fascist way that you're supposed to act, you're out. You're yeah. out. You become an independent. Mm-hmm. Right. And that 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 that's where you can really see the difference between the two parties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I got to remind myself every time I hear something crazy that a Republican is saying, every time Matt Gates or Jim Jordan or somebody like that opens their mouth, I have to remind myself they're a minority. They're a significant sure. minority. They're just a bunch of bullies and the other people on the right don't have the balls to stick around and fight them. And those that do like Liz Cheney get cut out. They get thrown right. out. Right. Right. Nobody threw yeah. AOC out. Nobody threw, you know, um, um, Ilhan Omar out. No. Right? And, and they those are the be. extremists in the left and nobody's right. throwing them out. <laughs> right? You're exactly right. Here, Here's the one of the reasons for that is because these are people who are committed to the process. They're committed mm-hmm. to um, democracy. Right. Um, I've, I often talk about, if not on this podcast and other places, my buddy Herm from college, he's a, right. a, a full blown Marxist, you know, from <laughs> uh, who lives in Germany right now. And, and Herm, this is my tire. This is Herm's tireless refrain. And it becomes mine as well. Terms like there isn't a single leftist in the United States governing system. Right. Remember that. Like it is all relative. The United States is very right wing. Mm-hmm. It, it's the the AOCs of the world would be considered left of moderate in most of Europe. You know, like, right. and that's fine. Like, I'm not I'm not here to champion a full blown Marxist account of things. I, I, I'm really not. I'd like to help people understand what that means, but like, right. I'm not, I'm not here to champion it. One of the reasons why AOC and folks like that are not thrown out of the democratic party is because they're committed to the, like I said, to the democratic process. And that is a good thing. People yes. should only be thrown out of parties when they, when they violate the fucking law and, and right. break the fucking rules, you know, like that, that's not canceling anybody that's holding people accountable. Right. And, and I think that's what is so frustrating about the right um, as that has uh, become less and less likely as the commitment to the democratic process is sort of thrown out in favor of whatever they got happening right now. 
um, it becomes this kind of lawless state where where the crazier you are, the the better chance you have of protection mm-hmm. in the party, which I just find I find absurd to it's the backwards. point where it is totally backward to the point where where like they they say no to things that I'm like, why are you voting no <laughs> on celebrating women like Matt Gates like voted no on like yeah. uh, like months ago on like a uh, sex trafficking bill mostly because he sleeps with minors, you know, (laughs) that's probably why, but like, he's like, no, I'm like, what do you mean? No. Or like the Republican party has sort of said no to like further investigations of the January 6th insurrection. Marjorie Taylor green has come out and said that, that we're being too hard on the January 6th people. And I'm like, "What what are you talking about? These are people who, who broke into the United States Capitol building. They were scaling the walls. (laughs) But what they do, what they do, what's most insulting to me is they say, well, you know, whenever Al Gore lost the 2000 election, you know, Democrats opposed that election. Why can't we oppose this election? That's true. Democrats did oppose that election with right, with, with, with good reason, because there was a difference of like 500 votes in Florida. So there was like, number one, a legitimate concern there mm-hmm. and number two when it went to the courts and when it was decided al gore said all right that's enough i'm out right yeah. and the democrats went that was bullshit all right we'll get him next time right right we didn't throw a fucking hissy fit for a year and we didn't storm the fucking capital <laughs> right. right it's they're apples and oranges so like when i hear these people come up and say well you know they they opposed whenever Donald Trump won. Yeah, there was a couple of people that opposed that decision, but it was thrown out. It was decided that it was legitimate. It was thrown out and everybody kind of went, OK, we need to start focusing on why we didn't win the election, not why it was stolen from us. Right. That's how the left operates on the right. This false grievance culture that they have where, you know, nothing can happen to them negative if it wasn't, you know, a conspiracy. Right. It's just a defense mechanism you know, in a way for them to maintain power over the minority. And it's disgusting. It really is, you know, and, and you and I come from from pretty different worlds by and large. Yeah. But one yeah. of the things that, that you and I have I agree on and have both been taught um, by our by our families and by our experiences is, you know, if you fuck up, you fuck up. Mm-hmm. own up to it you really are responsible for yourself like like you really are you know so so do and it. there's and, I, and there's really nothing you can't unfuck if you say that you fucked it up like you can there's not that right. much out there that you can't fix if you fucked up you know <laughs> exactly exactly which is why and 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 this is stuff and my parents are not right wingers at all but this is stuff that the right outs all the time like this is stuff this is this is the good old fashioned American ingenuity and responsibility that I'm supposed to believe that the right believes in. Right. And it's and it, but it clearly are. doesn't like it's, it's exactly. obvious that it doesn't. And I mean, it's to the point now where the propaganda doesn't even sit. Yeah, we're not about, even we're not even like, trying for that anymore. Yeah, they're not even they're not even attempting to to make those sorts of statements anymore. They're just going full out, you know, Karen, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. now. That's the other thing. Like the right is the one that's supposed to be like 
they're supposed to be the tough guys, right? They're supposed mm-hmm. to be the ones that can take criticism and they're the ones that, that roll up their shirt sleeves and get to work and they're, they're the most fragile people in our political system right now. You know, the left is the ones that are supposed to be having the cocaine binges and throwing right. the parties in, in trash and hotel rooms, not fucking Matt Gates. Right. right? Matt Gates is supposed to be doing that. That's supposed to be the left. That's what the left's supposed to do. You know, right. so like it's completely backwards now. Like the, and, and there's people in on the left in the same vein. There's people on the left that get hyper offended or hyper oversensitive about things now that that would typically be considered something that a, a right wing fuddy duddy would be upset about, you know, like somebody wearing their hair that would offend somebody on the on the on the right, whereas on the left, it's like, you know, somebody that didn't use the proper pronoun. Right. And, and they're all and they react very much in the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. So like everything's fucking backwards. <laughs> Okay. It is really weird. And let me tell you, it, it you're right. I mean, it, it's very strange to me, uh, particularly as somebody who remembers um, fairly well, not not terribly well, because I was fairly young, but remembers like George W. Bush and remembers the way it, it's all presented. Right. Like not just right. him, but like that whole era is presented in a certain way. Right. And, um, I'm I'm routinely confused i i love talking to lou about mm-hmm. this um listeners lou is a, a a a friend from from the town that that i used to live in with with matt um and from the theater and and i love talking to lou about it because lou is a, a conservative he's a republican right. and it's just and it's just totally just offended by the whole thing like he's like he's like i have no under i don't i i don't know what donald trump is doing I don't know why these people are behaving this way. And, and I love it because I, I am constantly confused by it now with him. Yeah. We're all, all I really need is for people to, to just be functioning people who behave like regular people. And you that's know, the like, thing, like, like with, with, with your example with Lou, right? Lou legitimately holds different political views and opinions than do I or than do sure. you. Right. But he also has coherent, legitimate reasons for those opinions and he can support them and he can calmly assert his belief and back it up and have an adult conversation about it. And most of the uh, Republicans that I know can do that. You know, my friend Paul, you know, Paul. Yeah same way like we can sit down and ha- he's very conservative i'm i'm pretty liberal i'm not like crazy liberal like you but i'm <laughs> you know? but like but like we can compared sit down we, yeah compared to paul but we can have we can have honest conversations and differ politically and not want to like kill each other at the end of it right? right and but so but our elected officials can't right that's what's most frustrating to me. But go on with your point with Lou. My whole point with Lou is 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 just uh, watching um, just how marginalized everybody ultimately has become, and mm-hmm. how much we're sort of at the victim of um, this the sort of the extremism. 
Like, I, I actually disagree with you a little bit on the left wing extremism. I don't think I don't think the left's extreme leftiness is, is actually all that politically powerful. Uh, uh, otherwise, somebody like Elizabeth Warren would win, you know, <laughs> like when, <laughs> right. when I think when I think that she just doesn't. Um, I know it's there. It's not, I, I don't disagree with you that it's there or that there are folks. Well, there. I think what I what I'm trying to illustrate is the the media attention that it gets. I think that's fair. Yeah, right? I, can, I can get behind. Now, that. I'm not yeah. saying that the, the left or the right is particularly politically powerful as far as getting shit done, because let's face it, nothing gets done very often. Yeah. But, you know, the things that you hear about on the news are the flashy things that Ilhan Omar said or the flashy things that AOC said or the flashy things that Matt Gates said. Those are the things that people get up in arms about. Right, right. right. My, so, my point, point of with clarity. I appreciate that. My, my <laughs> point with just invoking like a loo is, is just to sort of reflect on the fact that 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 ultimately the number of people that that are really satisfied with what their political party is doing is actually very small <laughs> right <laughs> you know that that uh that that the what the right does in sort of appealing to this increasingly more extreme contingent uh the only way that strategy works is if they just sort of decide that most of the people in this country are not worth helping not worth listening to right and, and so then they have to do anti-democratic things in order and to... And they cheat their dicks off to keep power, right? Exactly. And what happens with Democrats, I am constantly frustrated by the Democratic Party. I'm, I am not a lover of the Democratic Party. <laughs> but what happens with, with, with Democrats, at the very least, is the Democratic Party understands that, that there are 80 different opinions in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you can't flat out ignore one contingent or that will be bad. Right. Um, which is once again, why I think that perhaps we just don't need a Republican party. You know, <laughs> I'm sure we I, don't, but I, I, perhaps, perhaps we just don't need that because um, quite, quite frankly, there's enough conservative views in the democratic party from people like me that would yeah. prevent something like, you know, uh, the, the boogeyman of the left, which is like, you know, taking away your guns not going to happen and i'm not going to vote for somebody in the democratic ticket that wants to do that right because of my own personal conservative views yet i consider myself a liberal <laughs> right no, but we yeah, have, no, we have exactly. room for that sort of discussion in the democratic party whereas there isn't that in the republic exactly and and like and here's i think the thing that that so few americans including myself i don't know a ton about this either but so few Americans sort of understand is that there the the way it's done in other countries is is actually not just sort of a blanket statement about left wing politics. It's a statement about the nuances of politics. Like like there are plenty of European states and European countries that um, are are not anti gun at all, mm-hmm. yet still don't have the the same amount of gun violence that we have. Right. Well, why is that possible? Well, it's really simple. It's because a lot of those states are not anti-democratic and don't have a particular political party that controls a lot of propaganda. Like and they don't they don't also have the culture of racism. They don't also have the culture of, right. you know, the war on drugs. They don't also have the fundamentalist culture. Um, You're right. There's a lot of factors involved. Here, right. You're right. Um, but I mean, I hear your point whenever you're talking about other nations, but I. 
and this is going to sound very elitist of me, but I just don't, I don't care. I don't care what other countries are doing because that's not my country. Right. In the same way that I don't care, like what my neighbors are having for dinner, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's their business. Right. Like I need to take care of my business. So while I can look to them and go, maybe that smells good. wonder how they're doing that. Ultimately at the end of the day, that's theirs, not ours. Right. So I'm not really concerned about them. But I do hear what you're saying in terms of we but, but we have a much more complex system. We, first of all, most of those European countries are relatively homogenous with their population. Like they've mm-hmm. grown up there since like Stone Age times. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, mm-hmm. they don't have the same kind of melting pot that the United States does, where all these cultures and religions and things are 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 infused into a local area and it's all young it's all relatively new like we don't have any people that have been here for a thousand years preaching christianity like it just doesn't happen right now you'll have the same you have the same problems in europe with some of the uh with 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 racism and with sexism and with violence you have these things but it's typically more clannish and what i mean by that is you're like you'll have ethnic albanians right you know people in Kosovo right you'll have you'll have large groups of this group or large groups of that group and they're not quite as interdispersed and interlaced and interwoven and intertwined and enmeshed with mm-hmm. one another there's a line in Israel called the Gaza mm-hmm. strip where the Jews are on this side and the Palestinians are on this side now there's there's conflict there right there's violence there in ways that we don't typically see in the United States but there's also not the ability for them to intermix and intermingle, right? Huh. So there, there, there's not that fear of losing, losing their culture because their team is here and the other team is there, mm-hmm. right? Whereas mm-hmm. in the United States, that becomes much more complex. So like the, some of those things are some of the reasons why we have more violence other than mm-hmm. just the fact that we have a fuckload more guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. A lot more uh, that or more pills, right? You right, know? right. More, more, guns, more, pills, more media more <laughs> right. everything it's the american way baby like we get we do more we do more 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 yeah buddy i don't know man i i'm i do my best not to i can easily freak out i, I as as the trump era has come to an end and i put that in scare quotes because i have no idea if it actually has come to an end or not um, I've realized just how uh, much these last four years with Trump has sort of affected me as like a young adult. Right. Like, uh, I, I don't know. It could be very similar for you too. I, I'm not entirely sure, but like I raised a child. Like I, 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 my, we had a child when Trump was president. She's, you know, we've, we had two big moves during the Trump presidency. Like, like big things have kind of happened to me in the midst of Donald Trump. And I've realized um, as I'm, as I'm following stories of local legislatures in, in different States, you know, trying to shore up minority conservative power, you know, and, and we're pushing anti-trans bills through, or who are pushing anti-democracy bills through or doing all these different things. Like I've realized just how, like what some of that, um, some of the emotional stuff 
that that the Trump administration over these last four years has kind of inflicted on me, right? Like like the and I'm just some white dude, you know, mm-hmm. like from from the suburbs, like like things that I used to sort of trust. I don't really trust anymore. Like this isn't really an Obama thing, or maybe it is. I don't know. But like I grew up in in a relatively stable eight years of of American government. That's where I came of age, right? That's where I you know, with the Obama administration. And and so like, for me, there's a sense in which I kind of trusted that. Yeah. I mean, there, we might, there might be some crazies in government. There might be some racists in government. There might be some crazies and racists next door, but by and large, we all agree on the important things and we're, and, and we're sort of going to be okay. And, and that, that sort of illusion is really shattered in me right. <laughs> because of the Trump era. And so now like I kind of find myself hyper, nervous about um bills in texas or or something that's happening in tennessee or or florida or georgia like like and pennsylvania um and i try not to allow it to kind of dominate my life because i'm just some dude you know i can't actually fix it you know like like i'm not i don't have i don't have godlike power to change it right um it's just interesting as I sort of reflect on it as a 30 year old in after Trump, like just how much it can kind of drive me into something of a panic. Right. Um, that I don't, I don't quite see like in my parents, like my parents are really engaged people, both locally in, in, in York, Pennsylvania and sort of politically the Trump era was great for my dad. Cause my dad had all these great sound bites now of, I don't understand what this sick old man is doing. Somebody <laughs> shut him up, you know, like it's pretty great, but like, I don't, I don't see a lot of that same kind of anxiety in my parents. I, I don't, I see it a lot in folks kind of around my age though. So I don't, right. I don't know. And, and I, I think I can maybe explain that a little bit. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not that much. I'm about 12 years older than you, mm-hmm. but um, the Trump thing, was an anomaly like that was new i mean it was traumatic for me as well it was traumatic for you but you don't have the same sort of and and i don't have the same sort of uh, of frame of reference as your parents do right Mm. because they're older they're they're the next generation ahead of me you know but like these things do happen from time to time they just don't typically happen as publicly Right. We had McCarthyism in the 50s. Right. Where there was some crazy people saying some crazy shit. But what we didn't have was compliance from one party and the and the and the um, will to forego their principles in exchange for power like we do now. Right. Right. So that is new. Right. For people like you that are young. And haven't really experienced a lot of the political gamesmanship that goes on. Your senses of of panic are are heightened because you're like, ah, this is this is crazy. Whereas older people are like, ah, this kind of stuff happens. But I, what I don't think the older generation is really grasping is that this is fundamentally different because they're fundamentally changing the rules, the rules, the system always maintained its balance in the past and now that's fundamentally coming on that the the this the structure itself 
the scaffolding on which our democracy is built is under assault, really for the, in a way that it's never been under assault mm. before, right? Um, and that's what's concerning to me because I too, like Trump was a clown. He was a circus clown. If it was just that, you know, it would be something that we could talk about. It would be something that I could see would freak people out that haven't weathered the storm of other political problems in the past. But like, I thought George W. Bush was the dumbest man ever to be elected in the presidency whenever he was elected in 2000. I thought he was dumb as a post, Mm -hmm. but I never thought that he was not an American. Sure. You know, or didn't have American ideals in in his mind. They might have been corrupt American ideals. They might have been manipulated for his own purposes or for the purposes of his buddies or whatever. But at least the structure was there. The scaffolding was still in place, right? Shattered that for me. That's what Mm -hmm. scares me. Because now I can see that they, they understand that they can't win fair. Right. And that's what's scary to me. Mm-hmm. So I ho- I'm sure that didn't assuage your concerns at all. <laughs> it, it's good to hear that, though, from from somebody in a different generation and right. kind of looking in. You know, I think that, Matt, I think that I don't want to I don't want to take I, I wanted that to be your final word for the whole that episode. And that's Done. a great final word, not your final word, but the final word. Um, uh, I want to I want to add one more dimension. And so I'm sorry to take away that as the final word. But I think that the, the, the hysteria from many millennials, I think, comes in part from these last four years. Um, I don't think it comes from some kind of, you know, what what many people want to paint as like the participation trophy generation. Right. Or stuff like that. I, I don't really think any of that's real. Mo- most of the hardest working people I've ever met are people my age because they have to. They, they mm-hmm. have to work two jobs. It's the only way they can afford to live, you know? Right. But, but like, I think that a lot of the hysteria from my generation comes from the fact that um, we don't really know, we don't really have the, the frame of reference to understand not only where, where this all sort of fits in like the history of American politics, but, but as you say, this is an anomaly, but to us, it's not only an anomaly, it's sort of this catastrophically different thing than, than, than everything we ultimately remember, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know people that, that remember, you know, I met them at the church that remember Reagan, you know, that remember Nixon, mm-hmm. that remember, you know, some of the wacky stuff going on then, who, who did not like Trump. But but we're not sort of in this kind of free falling, scared mode that like I find a lot of folks in my generation are still sort of trying to navigate. Like for us, this feels like a like like a total departure from reality. That's and, because and it I, is. It is. <laughs> right. That's right. because it is. And factor in this as well. You just came out of school where you were taught in your civics classes how the government was supposed to work. And in your first few years of adulthood, it didn't at all work (laughs) the way that you were taught. And I was taught and they were taught that it was supposed to work in, in like your first election, like shit went completely fucking crazy. And you just went through school, college, whatever you were freshly, uh, 
educated in the way that the society was supposed to work. And in your first interaction with it, it didn't. Right. Yeah, that's going to fuck, fuck you up. But more importantly, what's more concerning to me is that those people that do remember Reagan, those people that do remember Nixon, are so far removed from that kind mm. of education or that kind of experiential thing or that expectation of how the government's supposed to work that they just talk it up to, eh, it's just another anomaly, right? Right. And they don't have the same kind of panic mode, panic mode button because they're not as um, in tune with how things are supposed to work anyway. Hmm. Because they've got things like their jobs to worry about and their kids to worry about and college tuition. Like they've got other things that they haven't been going to school and learning you know, within recent months mm -hmm. about how the government's supposed to work. They haven't thought about it. Maybe they've been listening to Tucker Carlson or, or Sean Hannity for a dozen years, and it's kind of dulled, it's diluted in their mind. Right. Right. And they don't have that experiential, like, and, and I think that's important for us to listen to the younger generation because we're the ones that just taught them how things were supposed to be. Like the older, right. gen, my generation, Gen X, is the one that's like the teachers right now teaching people yeah. how they're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. if the people are coming out of school going, Hey, that's not how it is. Maybe we need to be worried more worried than we are. Sure. <laughs> right? sure. That, that is a good final word. I'm glad that you swooped in and saved it with the final word. That, that's solid. That's all. Well, I'm going to wrap us up in this very scary episode <laughs> of hookah chats with Matt and Ethan. We hope to see you again real soon.